The Hundred Marathon Club by Darren Smith. Things are progressing in all aspects of day-to-day living. We're getting back to normal, or, or the new normal, whatever the fuck that is. Finally, after being stuck in a vacuum for over a year, we are returning to the office, so to speak. Turning off that out-of-office message and getting back on with it. On Monday, I get my second vaccination and will be fully jabbed up against what is colloquially termed the Rona. Races were back on for me anyway on the 17th of April and this, number 55, Run to the Sea Brighton, a week on from London to Brighton, would be my fourth ultra in just seven weeks. Not bad going, really, for a fat flump. But for this one, I would not be going alone. Now, some people call him the space cowboy. Some call him the gangster of love. Some people call him Maurice. Yes, dear listeners, that is right. Joining me on this particular misadventure would be the masked dancer himself, Lewis Clark, fresh from helping out Rachel on her canal race with his own in the distance, and a a week before he would be joining Keith for part of his Centurion 100 Slam. It would be Lou's first race of 2021, and would be organised by Ultraviolet Running, who were the guys who brought us our first race of 2020 the Round Reading Ultra. I would be completing their race Grand Slam myself, having run the run to the sea Bournemouth. And we would be starting in Horsham, if we could actually get there. Now, there are two theories regarding the naming of Horsham. It was either Horse Ham, the leanest of breakfast meats in my opinion, because horses were bought and sold there, or, and this is the way that the scholars would go for it, horses ham. After an Anglo-Saxon warrior, Horsa, who has gifted the lands in this particular neck of the woods. The reality regarding its naming didn't matter, because when Lou and I arrived after lunch on Friday at Victoria Station, our fucking train was cancelled due to a problem on the line. But we, no, 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 we would not be beaten. As resourceful young men, we realised that the Gatwick airport was close to our destination, so jumped on the next train to Gatwick, with the idea that we could just hop a cab the rest of the way. Only to discover, as we disembarked the train at Gatwick, with all of those wonderful people with suitcases, going somewhere in a pandemic? That the next train in on the platform that we were standing upon was in fact going to Horsham and, defying all logic, was probably the council train that we couldn't get in the first place. It was weird. It was scary. I mean, what do you think about that, Velma? There's a very logical explanation for all this. Quick, tell me. The place is haunted. Jinkies. We did to reduce any further anxiety, dear listeners, make it to Horsham, or Hawes Ham, as I like to think of it, named after the favoured breakfast product of a local sort. 
We found suitable breakfast items at a large Sainsbury's once I stopped navigating and getting us lost. We drank at a pretty good local pub and had a superb meal at an Argentine steakhouse, imaginatively named Buenos Aires. And yes, the chorizo in Malbec and onions did its job and totally cleared us out before we left the hotel the next morning, after cramming what we didn't need for the ultra into a very small bag indeed. Much like the other uh, run to the sea race, the Bournemouth race, they gave us these tiny little bags. For a point to point race, I don't think you should be limited to taking a small 1970s primary school PE bags worth of clothes. You probably don't live at either end of the race. I know that Lou and I didn't live in Horsham or Brighton. And so we needed two nights of clothing and a race kit and toothbrushes, toothpaste, hair gel, the works. And that needed to fit into this 45 centimetre square of material plus drawstring. Personally, I don't see the point. Most races don't limit you this way. Sure, some charge a fiver to transport your stuff to the end, but most don't. And most don't limit what you can drop. You know, thinking about it, it is probably the only disappointing thing that I have to say about ultraviolet races. And it is quite limiting. Now to the race. Lou was supposed to start at 7.40, but didn't, for reasons that I shall come to later. Lee was supposed to start at 7.44, but didn't start for reasons that I shall not come to later. And I was slotted in behind the pair of them at 8.02. But I did not start at 8.02. For when we arrived at the very plush Christ's Hospital School, the rules had been relaxed. Once you dropped off your bag and pinned your number, you could start when you pretty much wanted. And so, under a stone arch, the downs path stretching before us, Lou and I bumped fists and headed out as soon as we could. It was hot. The day before had been a monster roller coaster for weather. It was hot, then cold, then hot, then cold as we sat outside the pub, shivering into our pints, before sweating our rocks off, rocks off honey, back at the uh, hotel and getting virtually no sleep. This day it was brilliant sunshine, beginning to end, sunburn on sunburn kind of day. And we were baking. And we're done. It was, once we left the school grounds, very rem reminiscent of the one to the sea Bournemouth. A very straight, flat, two descending path, tree-lined both sides with the occasional runner in view. The first bit, ideal, especially given several factors. Number one, I was still knackered from London to Brighton that was barely a week earlier. Number two, I was even more tired after having no sleep the night before in that oven of a bedroom. Number three, my knee, my right knee, was taped up after 
running London to Brighton a week earlier. There was a hint of tendonitis that was worrying me that I would need to get looked at by my osteopath, Monica Blackburn, sometime over the next week. And number four, I was wearing brand new shoes. Hocker running shoes. And we all know the cardinal rule is that you do not wear new shoes on a race. Right? Never wear brand new shoes on a race. Idiot. New shoes? I'm a bit disappointed. Idiot. Everybody knows that. Never run in brand new shoes. What were you thinking, dickhead? Everybody knows that. Idiot. Oh, knees as a podiatrist. I've got to say that's a rookie mistake. Everybody knows that. Idiot. Um, thanks, guys. Um, I, I knew that anyway i did i did know that but in my defense uh what there is of it during lockdown i had binned a lot of my old shoes because they were just well past their use by date uh and the new shoes that i'd purchased over lockdown hadn't really been broken in yet because racing hadn't started so you know i i just didn't manage it well idiot still for the first half an hour, as I kept chugging away, keeping a note I had made with the uh, the checkpoints, how far they were into the race, and their cutoffs, and target times for each of them, so I could aim for a PB, things, including the new shoes, idiot, were going well. And that is the first five kilometres done of the run to the sea, Brighton. It is very sunny, very hot. Uh, we started early, but I've got new shoes on, and I tell you what, they may be comfy underneath, but the laces are very uncomfortable on top, so I think I might have to relace them at some point. But that's the first 5k down. Uh, yeah, keeping going. Now, I was becoming acutely aware of the tightness, or a tightness, on the top of my feet. The laces of the hockers were digging into the chub of my cankle on the top of my hobbit feet and I was concerned that I would suffer from pins and needles and then dead feet before too long. The plan became one of monitoring the situation and then, at the first checkpoint, loosening them a bit. And I still had quite a bit of time, um, but, but I did th feel that I needed to do it all before things got scary at kilometre 23. You see, this race, the one to the sea Brighton, was a bit of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde of a race. The first half was a mild-mannered surgeon, downhill or flat, with wide paths and plenty of space, very few walkers. And the second half, you see, the Mr. Hyde half, was a total fucking nightmare. <coughs> see? And that's a 10k, uh, which was good. Um, I think I'm doing okay. Uh, am I on? F I'm not on for a PB, but uh, it's not far off it if I just keep running. Uh, it's very hot though, it's very sunny. Uh, the shoes are starting to ease up a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's 10k. And we were out of the relative shade of the long Downs Path, Downs Way, whatever it was called, where the locals, according to the signage, were not happy at all about the possibility of a new town sprouting up from nowhere, ruining 
the countryside. And to be fair, as the paths opened out into lush green meadows and rolling hillsides, who could blame them? And that's 15k. Uh, it's very hot now, but still going. Uh, <laughs> kind of joking with myself that Lewis has already finished, um, but it's fine. Uh, you race for yourself, no one else. Uh, so yeah, I'm keeping going. Uh, 15k done, 35 to go. I am not too sure how many people were running this race. There were several hundred, um, outside of dropouts, obviously. The numbering did originally denote the order in which you would start. I was number 181. I think Lewis was supposed to be 70-something. But with people allowed to start whenever they wanted, there was a gap in the staggered process. The numbering went out the window. Normally on a race, say, say a marathon, where there are different waves and blocks of numbers do denote where you start, I always look around during the race to see if the latter waivers have caught up with me or, or if I've been overtaking, rarely, uh, and not outside the realms of possibility, thank you, um, if I manage to catch up and, and close the gap on the waves ahead of me. Again, with the revised nature of the start, this was impossible. So I just needed to keep my head down and keep going. Yeah, uh, and that's uh, 20, 20 k in, 30 to go. Uh, if I can do the next 3 k in about 40 minutes, I might be on for a PB. But unfortunately, this is when the second checkpoint hove into view. It was hot, and the water I took with me and the Lucasade were both gone. I refilled my bottles, both of them this time, with water. And I took a well-earned toilet break. Real toilets too, in whatever building the checkpoint was next to. No port-a-loo for me, oh no. Ambassador with disease toilets you are spoiling us. And I did, to be honest, feel quite fortunate. That was until a corner or two later, when a fucking hill and a half destroyed everyone. That's 25 kilometres done now, halfway. Uh, it was all downhill pretty much, or flat until uh, 23. Then there's a checkpoint and then there's a hill. And I've been walking the hill for about two kilometres and it's still going. So uh, uh, I'm sure it'll, it has to stop at some point. Um, anyway, yeah, 25k down, halfway there. It certainly put a kibosh on my pace, this hill. It was a narrow hedged, uh, narrow hedge-edged lane. Um, that just went on and on and on and up and up and up. A lady runner found two manhole covers about halfway and then just stopped on them, just to stand for a brief moment, that it was the only flat bit for at least half a mile. And the top was still nowhere to be seen. So when I got there, 
I also took a bit of a breather, and I was glad that I did, because then the hill just kept going. And then the whole thing sort of opened up, um, exploded, if you like, um, out into the, into the beautiful, uh, stunning uh, uh, Sussex countryside. And it was amazing. It was beautiful. But then we were still climbing. The hill kept going and going and going. <sighs> That's 30k down uh, at the top of a massive hill. Massive hill. The hundreds of power gliders overhead and seem to be getting the, the air currents. It's quite peaceful, really. And in the distance, I can see the uh, I360, which is the uh, viewing platform on Brighton Beach. So definitely going the right direction. Oh, yeah. The paragliders. Like multicoloured moths on the breeze. It was very pretty. It made a great view that didn't translate well to photograph. And in the distance, our target, Brighton. Brighton, deriving its name from B and White On. No, kidding. Uh, Brighton has been described as UK's, the UK's hippest city. The happiest place it to live in the UK. And the unofficial gay capital of the UK. You see, it can be hippie. It can be happy. It can be gay. It can also be a god-awful drunkard hellhole full of overpriced, dilapidated seafront hotels and domestic violence. I wonder which Brighton we'd be seeing this weekend. And that's uh, 35 kilometres down. Uh, Lewis is only seven ahead of me, which is the shocking bit. Uh, However, he still is ahead, which is good. Um, yeah, so it's too hot, it's too hilly. Walking it in. It was tough. The race, that is. Lewis was even starting to feel it and had only just cleared the 42k checkpoint as I hit 35. So there's no way I would have thought that until he said that he was having to walk too because of the hills and the steps and the heat. Walk. I should be so lucky. I was now limping. My right knee was starting to make a lot of noise and my left Achilles was banging on the wall telling it to shut the fuck up because it was working nights and had an early start in the morning to drive the kids to school. And it's windy and I've done uh, done 40k now. Uh, my left Achilles isn't feeling very good and my right knee, the classic tendonitis on the inside uh, just below the knee is really killing me um, but other than that I've hit 40k so I've only got 10k to go Lewis has only just finished so um, yeah it was a very hot, very hilly, very difficult race I think it's all downhill from here I needed some sugar too I was feeling a bit sick with all the water that I'd been drinking um, and after an SOS I decided to sit down on what would be the top of the final hill before we finally descended into Brighton and Hove. I ate a melted Mars bar. I took out some strips of K-tape that I'd packed in my pack. 
and I'm a guy with the shit out of my knee. And that is 45 kilometers done. It's still very hot, it's still very hilly. Um, I had to stop to make some running repairs. So now my knee and ankle are both taped up to get me through the last bit. Um, I kind of see myself as the Millennium Falcon now, uh, coming into Moss Eisley on auxiliary power smoking and uh, with the, uh, the guns and landing gear not working. By now, I knew that we were not far off, not too far off anyway. It would be a loop beside the motorway. Well, I stopped at a burger van for a can of Fanta and one of Coke, both ice cold. I downed the Fanta immediately and saved the Coke for the end. And then we went under the road, and I joined a procession of walkers, climbing a cruelly situated set of woodland steps, before heading out and into Hove, through Hove Park, where the South Coast Challenge finished a few years ago, then down the longest road all the way to the seafront before joining the crowds for one last push to the bowling green. Over the finish, for 100 Marathon Club number 55, the fourth of the year, the fourth in seven weeks, and completing the ultraviolet running slam of races. Few. It was a hot one. And then, the boys were back in town. Let's hear it for the boys. Boys, boys, boys. The boys of summer have not gone. They are here. And Lou and I were joined by Baz Taverner for three beers at the Sussex pub, which resembled a Maltese villa to me anyway, or the garden did. More beer and burgers at Honest Burger, beers at the hotel, where my room was a picture-perfect space that could grace the pages of any interior design magazine, whilst Lou and Baz shared a grot hole of the lowest order, circa East Croydon 1980, and all that before a great night's sleep, for me anyway, under a cooling ceiling fan whilst the others had a sweaty spooning, with Baz snoring like a sty of wild boar in Lou's ear, after the pair of them drank in the hotel bar till midnight. Dickhead. The next morning, after a wonderful night's sleep, we ended up in a greasy spoon, and then a team train back to London. And this, my dear listeners, is why we do it. The races, to some degree, are inconsequential when you get to see your friends and to spend time with such wonderful people. Next up, I will see more of them at Race to the King Double Marathon Weekend. Oh, and after being so tired after London to Brighton, I deferred the Cotswolds Way 100. I think at 100 kilometres the week after a double marathon and a week before another 50k and a fortnight before Wasted the Stones just didn't seem like a sensible plan to me. I may be, as Lewis says, a dickhead, but sometimes I do see sense. <laughs> 